Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Word in the Hill podcast with the Lanky Guys. My name is Scott Powell. Got and there first. My Father name Peter. is Father Peter Musset. You snooze, you lose. I'm like John on Easter Sunday, dude. And uh, and thankfully, you just like dogged out and let me look and go into the tomb first. What? Huh? What? You, John, got there first, but he let Peter go in. Oh yeah, but he still got there first, and he made sure everybody knew it. So we've started this podcast like seven times, and Father Peter and I are both like racing to see who's going to say hello first. You know what's funny? It's is, usually you. Is Scott confessed something to me in between <laughs> our many takes to try to start this podcast? Would you guys think we would have it down given that we say the exact same thing every single time? You would think that. You'd think that we, that we just have it down. But he's For like, like six years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, been every yeah, we're, week. We're five. Cause Whatever, dude. Because because we'll go six. We'll see on year six. We'll have it down. Yeah, we're we'll we're know. in the year. We're in the sixth year because we will have completed everything. Boom. And we will go into a, the third reading of it. But he was telling me that uh, he considers that the Garage Band um, is actually like a cassette tape, and every time you record over it, that it degrades just, in quality, which uh, is so funny. I know it's, it's like, not true. It's the I know tape that, mentality, uh, man. It's just it's part of my psyche because we've all been there, or like the VHS tape right that there's going to be the old you know tracking issues second sunday of easter divine mercy sunday yes. which is super epic awesomeness mercy 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 our first reading is from the x a x e of no, the apostles that's not the right spelling <laughs> dude it's i if i ever get to translate the bible i'm gonna i'm gonna use acts of the apostles and i'm gonna put it in those letters peter in his apostle days back before pre-passion seemed uh-huh. like he would wear axe body spray doesn't he kind of <laughs> dude you guys okay, okay anyway. acts 5 12 to 16 <laughs> okay good our response memorial psalm is from psalm 118 verses 2 through 4 13 through 15 and 22 through 2 24 Ah, yes. Sorry, there was a typo. Our segundo lectura is from Revelation. Um, <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, the responsicle, by the way, is verse 1. Oh, thank you for the responsicle. It's Easter responsicles. <laughs> Dude, do you know that if I had the ability to ship um, frozen things to our fans, that I would uh, I would, I would, would have lanky guys responsicles? All in the shape of peeps. And <laughs> we had a peep war today. It was beautiful. In the microwave. In the microwave. Revelation 1, 9 to 11a, 12, 13, 12 to 13, and then 17 to 19. Well, that is piecemeal. Dude, I, what is 11b? Do you have 11b? Oh, you'll see. Okay. I don't know. 2b, 11. 2b, 11. Our gospel is coming from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. T. Diddy. T. Diddy, baby. What, what? Do you know how much I am happy inside because I know that there are all these people who every single time they hear the gospel, they hear Thomas Didymus and they just think T. Diddy. T. Diddy. And, it, and like people have commented and come up and be like, oh, T. Diddy. Like it just, it like, it makes me like. It's the right thing to do. It really is. It is. We've added something to the vernacular. In the Catholic world. Dude, I love it. Okay, so the first reading, check oh, yeah. this out. Acts of the Apostles is super helpful. Okay. It's really good. Um, I was obsessed about one singular detail. All right, talk to me. Solomon's portico. Okay. I literally, to the po- to the point on where I actually... Um, researched it, Actually right? researched it. I looked at, at all of these maps and I was going through. Really? Okay, yeah. So if you imagine the Temple Mount to be a big rectangle... Okay. 
Okay, so you have a and and you have porter. So you have walls. So you have four walls. Yes. Two long walls, long sides of, the, yes. uh, of it, and it, then two making short a walls. rectangle. Making a rectangle. <laughs> That's what we call that in the vernacular. Are <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good. You're gonna suffer later. Oh, um, we I, all know that, dude. You, I hope you feel good after we ate those bratwursts because I poisoned them. Did you really? No. I do feel sort of stomach aching. Do you? You gave me a lot of bratwurst today. Dude, no, I was it eating those. I was like, dude, this is like, there's, and there was no kind of shield like between me and the bratwurst. It That's was why just, I added the ketchup. Yeah. Uh, the shield. <laughs> so, um, Time, Simon's portico. Oh, Simon, so rectangles. Solomon's, we were talking about geometry. Okay, yeah. So if you imagine that in the center, there's another rectangle that's uh, 90 degrees from the other rectangle, and those are the quartz of the um, Gentiles. Of, of the of the Gentile, well, no, it's actually the women's court. Is oh, the women's courts. Okay. So, so basically, there's a building inside of a bigger building. Yes. Walls inside of it, and then then you then you go in, and then on uh, there's an entrance into that, and it's a little bit offset from the center. Okay. The entrance, but then the back wall of that inner court, his has a boundary to the outer bigger wall. Okay. okay. It's not just free sanding, so it, it's it's connected on one side. Okay. So the the wall that has all of this colonnade or a cloister as we would call it kind of normally okay. is Solomon's portico. Okay. So it's it, so it's across from the entrance to the women's court to the inner sanctuary. What and is a portico? Portico in the it, simplest terms. Um well here let me tell you. Is it you, like a versicle? It's not a versicle. It, a portico is a oh hold on I I'll get you the Greek word. Um <laughs> thank you. Is um, Isn't portico a Greek word? No. Oh uh, cool. Stoa so stoa, um, so stoa is is a place that is enclosed on three sides, okay. but open on one. Oh, all right. So it's Very basically cool. it's it's just kind of like a place to seek shade. I, I like shade. So this one is open. If the sun is rising, then the sun will be into the opening of Solomon's portico. Okay. If the sun is setting, then the portico is going to be in shade. So from noon onward, you're going to have oh. shade in Solomon's portico. Okay. Um, cool. Which I actually don't know if that makes any difference. Um, it doesn't tell you what time of day it was. Nope. That's okay. So cool. But but I would imagine that they are going to be in the afternoon because you're not going to unless it was a cold morning. Nobody does signs and wonders in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh. No, I, well, I was just trying to figure out like, okay, wh- they're going off here. They're okay. like they're they're like talking and having signs and wonders and there's all these people and um and great numbers of men and women were added to them and they carried the sick out into the streets but then um uh, they were together in solomon's portico so basically they're they're kind of in the temple mount is huge and i was trying to figure out why are they gathering in solomon's portico where they and it's not the court of women. It's but it's the court of you can be there as a Gentile. Mm-hmm. So basically, all the nations. It's, it's the like in the, between, right? It's the, it's the gathering place. You, you can have everybody there. Well, that's important. It's very important because men and women can both be there, Jews and Jews Greeks and Gentiles and Romans. It also suggests, um, in a very real way. So remember, this is all being written by the hand of Luke, who is the only Gentile to write one of the Gospels, right? Uh, or, or the only Gentile to write a New Testament book, and he has his two volumes, Luke and Acts. So the fact that this Gentile physician has an intimate knowledge with the architecture of the temple, I think, is significant. 
that he actually understands how this works. And it's significant for him because being a Gentile, he would have access to this location. So it's important that he's kind of setting you up in that way because he's writing from his particular point of view, which is the outsider's point of view looking in. And so I think it's significant that it's happening here. I think it, which is which is actually what Solomon's portico is poised to do in relationship to the Holy of Holies. It's on the outside, looking towards looking the Holy towards of- it. Yeah. And now, speak. Oh, the Holy of Holy connection is important because I saw something in here that I even looked at. I didn't look exhaustively, but I looked in a couple of commentaries to see if I could find anything of it, and I couldn't. Mm. And I want to throw out some things. Okay, if that's okay. Um, I have my catcher's mitt on. Okay, good. Oh, good. So the first thing that says, many signs and wonders were dung, 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 dung? done. No, no dung. No, no. <laughs> Ain't no dung. Were done among the people. Um, signs and wonders. Notice Luke doesn't say many miracles. And I, I can't think off the top of my head of what the Greek is. But the Greek he uses actually, do, do you know where the idea of signs and wonders first appears in the Bible? Because it's got a very specific reference point. Semia. What? Oh, sign is the Greek word for sign. Yeah. But the first time in salvation history that term appears. Um, a sign appeared in the sky, a woman clothed Signs with stars. Signs and wonders together, though, the, that, that concept. Oh, no, I don't know. It actually appears in Exodus. So remember, the, the Hebrew Bible doesn't call the plagues, remember the ten plagues that are right. done in the time of the Exodus story? They're not called plagues. They're called signs and wonders in the Hebrew tradition. And so for anybody reading this familiar with salvation history, you're being reminded of God's Exodus event, which was the primary, the, uh, the primary Old Testament event when God sets his people free from their slavery. Right. And what it's showing is that as we're still in the Easter season, that Exodus is continuing. The Exodus that Jesus performed on the cross is now continuing on through the hands of the apostles. And the so, uh, so-called gods of the nation, so to speak, are all still kind of being put to death because that's what the original 10 plagues in Exodus were, was a kind of putting to death and a shaming of the false gods. Mm. That's what the apostles are actually up to as they're spreading the gospels. That, that, that in a very fundamental way is what we mean when we say we are called to evangelize the world. And what it means to evangelize in a certain sense is to show that God is God and all the other things that we consider gods in our life are not. To put to death all of the other things, the false messiahs, the false worship, the false gods, the things that we want to put before God, to put all of those things to death. And sometimes the church requires signs and wonders to put those things to death so that we follow the one God who is God. Mm. But there's a lot, I think, packed in for Luke into that one little phrase. So that's what's being done among the apostles. They're putting the things that are not God to death in a certain sense through these mighty deeds that they're doing. Um, they were all together. The all is the apostles. All the apostles were together. And it says, none of the others dared to join them, but the people esteemed them. Scholars, I I was digging a little bit into that line. Scholars have been confused for centuries over what that means. Because Luke says simultaneously, they were all together, and yet none of the others dared to join them. So they're all together, and nobody dared to join them. And scholars are like, wait, what? So are they together or are people not joining them? Because then in the next line, it says everybody added more than ever believers in the Lord were added in great numbers. And, and the thing I think is kind of compelling about this line to me, the gospel message that they're performing by their very hands is something that both draws and repels simultaneously. Because the gospel message, the gospel message that Jesus is God, he has risen from the dead and he's offered us true life, is an attractive, appealing magnetic message, but it's also profoundly difficult and uncomfortable and sometimes 
cumbersome that it simultaneously repels. Mm. It's hard to do. And I think there's this weird little, I, again, I was, I was kind of overly digging into these scholarly commentaries on this line and realizing that scholars don't know grammatically what to do with this. It is kind of fascinating because it really is stating simply a gospel truth. That the gospel is attractive and it also is difficult and sometimes repels. And so as numbers are being added into the church greater than ever before, there's still lots of people that don't dare to join them because it's too much. It's too hard. It's too difficult. So again, there's interesting things that all this is expressing. Um, so great numbers are added. They carried the sick out into the streets. Streets. They laid them on cots and mats. And I'm really reminded of the gospel story of the friends remember who, who lower that guy on the pallet. Right. Um, which I always just think it's funny thinking of a guy lowering on a pallet, but anyway, that is what it is. But it, and Luke is actually, I think, meaning to evoke that because one of his intents in the Acts of the Apostles is to show that just the things that Jesus did in the Gospels, the apostles now, are now doing in Acts. And so, even though Jesus isn't physically, he is physically present in the Eucharist, but we can't see him in the same way. So, too, the church is still going to carry this on. So they're laying him on mats and cots so that, and I. I've never really heard this expounded on very much, but this is a really, really profound sentence, if you caught it. They're walking by. It looked normal to me. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. I, I did, I did, like, like I, I, don't, I don't know the profundity of which you, I mean, like. Profundity. What did I not say? profanity. Did I say profound, profundity? Profanity, you said. No, I did not say yeah, profanity. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Rewind this tape. No, I, I will not. <laughs> then we'll lose the quality. It'll be distorted. Um, but check this out. So they're bringing people out so that what happens to the sick people? Do you remember they what They get healed. By what? Their shadows. Peter's shadow. Which, isn't that fascinating? Like we read these stories in the gospel that they're looking for Peter like to lay his hands on them and the apostles to come and do these miracles. But they're like, if I can just get a get a, a corner of his shadow passing over this, then he'll be healed. All it takes is a shadow of them walking past in a proximity to me to actually have the power of Jesus heal my friend. That's pretty remarkable that people have that level of faith. Not only... Is it okay that it's not actually Jesus himself? It's okay that it's an apostle. But not only is it okay that it's an apostle, just the shadow of an apostle is all it takes. That's how powerful people are recognizing the power of God to be. Mm. That he can even work through a shadow of a guy who totally blew it a couple chapters before and rejected Jesus. But now his shadow can actually heal me. Wonder, Isn't that fascinating? I, I I think it's really fascinating. I wonder if that's in some ways the vestige of, of the... Um, tradition of the greeting of the popes in the Wednesday audiences. Oh, I don't know. I mean, because like, I was going to take it in a different direction. But I mean, I mean, there's there's this there's this part of me that goes like, Maybe. well, we still see this, like, and I think that that JP two, I'm sure he was healing folks as he was as people were just like, hmm. he was just going by and he would like look at them and heal them. I wonder Those if like, blessings. I wonder if he like did that. It could be. I mean, the, the new Peter. Yeah, like I, I think that I, I mean, like I, I want all sorts of healings in my heart. You know. Well, here's why I think that's actually possible, and here's why I think this is kind of getting at. By the way, this is one of the handful of references in the Bible to kind of. It, it's not exact here, but it's sort of where we get the tradition of things like relics, that things that have touched holy people actually can carry the grace of God with them. Mm. That we can have like a, a corner of John Vianney's shirt or something, right? Or a piece of his hair. And because of the proximity to holiness, it can actually carry grace within it. 
this is sort of similar to that, and it's where right. we like sort of so scri- yeah, exactly. But scripturally, we're showing that the church didn't make this weird kind of. Some people see this as superstitious. Superstitious. It's Stuper- not. It's, it's superstitious. Superstitious. But it's actually scriptural. But what I wanted to point out was I, I went back to the Greek on this one, and do you know what this actually says in the Greek? Because you pointed out the Holy of Holies. Okay. Which at this point in history is empty. There's nothing in the Holy of Holies right now. Right. It's vacant. And they believed it's been vacant for a long time, but now that vacancy has been exposed. Because remember at the crucifixion, the veil, the thick, the foot thick veil that separated the Holy of Holies from the outer courts, it was ripped asunder to show that there is nothing in there. Because that's not where the presence of God is anymore. Now, what Luke says, it's super intense. And you pointed out that it points toward that. It's actually reversed here because what it actually says in Greek is it says that his shadow might overshadow them. That's the language that Luke uses, which reminds me of something else. It reminds me of two things. The first thing it reminds well, Annunciation. The Annunciation. Remember when this Holy Spirit, the presence of God, overshadows Mary. And the Transfiguration. I didn't think of the Transfiguration. It's a reference that... So the Mary thing, the Annunciation, is another reference. When when Mary is told that the Holy Spirit will overshadow her, that's actually a reference back to the book of Exodus. And it's a reference to what God said to Moses is going to happen when his spirit, when, when his presence, not his spirit, when his presence comes physically into the Holy of Holies, the glory cloud. Remember the Shekinah? It says the presence of the Most High will overshadow the Holy of Holies, and it will dwell there. And that's where they believed the presence of God was actually there. Now, that presence of God left the Holy of Holies around the time of the Babylonian exile when Jerusalem was destroyed. The presence of God returns and overshadows Mary now as the new tabernacle, as the new Holy of Holies that carries the presence of God. And now that presence of God has extended in such a way post-resurrection that it even exists in Peter's shadow. Wow. That's the presence of God now because Peter is literally a walking holy of holies because he has the presence of God in him Mm. in a way that used to be reserved exclusively to this little room in the temple and now has expressed itself outward even to the degree of Peter's shadow, which now has the, the power to heal. Which is um, really the movement that we're talking about even within Acts of the Apostles today. Yeah. We start with them gathering in the temple yeah. and moving outward into moving the streets. Outward. That's exactly it. And at just as just as someone's shadow moves outward as the day goes on. And as the sun gets lower in the sky, the shadow almost extends, right? Just as the church and the power of God through the church extends outward toward the world. Yeah, it says, uh, yeah, so we have the te- portico, temple, portico to Smallman, and then out. <laughs> <laughs> to Smallman. Small, small, is that what I said? Yeah, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I have to say I don't even have commentary to, to add on it. Smallman stands on his own. To, to all my priest brothers who I'm doing this after the Easter vigil. Oh man, we if you know a priest, pray for him because he is <laughs> usually he's probably right now at he's one tired. or two percent. Hmm. Dude, literally, I'm just like trying to charge up and as best I can, and I will tell you what—that's what the brats were for. Yeah, man, it's like broadvests are very good. <laughs> so we start with the temple. We go into the streets and mm-hmm. co- with cots and mats, and then towns in the vicinity of Jerusalem also gathered. <laughs> and then, it, so it's like, so actually, it's we have, out. yeah, we have a yeah. we have a threefold kind of overshadowing cool. that's actually going from the temple out into the world, which very is cool. 
which is actually kind of a little image. I didn't see I didn't see that progression until it's you said it. Very cool. Which is you you could see Psalm one eighteen is almost a commentary on it. Let the house of Israel say His mercy endures forever. But what does it mean that His mercy endures forever? Well, the temple is going to go away. That's all going to it's it's going to be destroyed someday. All of these things are passing, but His love, His mercy is everlasting. And you can see it in Peter's shadow. It is the visible sign that even though Jesus has ascended into heaven, his love and his mercy is everlasting. Mm. He didn't take it with him. He left it with us. And his authority, his mercy, his love, all of these things are everlasting and they are, are present among us. What's interesting is is in trying to do the archaeology to discover what is Solomon's portico or Solomon's cloister, um, what happens is that it's all about the first temple, second temple, and then Herod's temple because of all of the destruction. But then they're coming back to saying that actually some of the original second temple is going to be Solomon's portico. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So hmm. so there's so there's some reference, which would be interesting if that was the place where the Christians gathered, that it was the place where, I don't know. I don't know. It's just That's kind of cool. So, so yes, cool. everything falls, but then... His mercy endures forever. Endures forever. I, I would, ha- I was hard pressed and falling, but the Lord helped me. Mm. My strength and courage is the Lord. He has been my savior. The joyful shout of the victory in the tents of the just. The stone which the builders has rejected has become the cornerstone. See, there we are. By the Lord, this has been done. It is wonderful in our eyes. Mm. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. I think we talked before. Psalm 118 is traditionally the psalm that was believed to be sung after the victory over one's enemies. Which is pretty important that it's being sung here in the Easter octave because the enemy has been vanquished and defeated. Which is which was uh, Scott's peep in the uh, microwave <laughs> I earlier. Hate peeps. I sang Psalm one eighteen oh, after after we had a peep war. Yes, in the microwave. So <laughs> one two three four. Mm. Can we have a peep war? Yeah, peeps suck. Anyway, continue. <laughs> that's, all I got. that's all I got. That's all I got. That's all I got for Psalm one eighteen. No, I just think it's I think it's beautiful. I was not expecting a kind of a temple theme. I know. I wasn't actually either until I saw the the overshadowing piece, which is temple terminology. Yeah, and, that, and it's being used on Bonehead Peter, right? Which is beautiful, and I don't say that disparagingly, but I mean, because God he, works through His weakness. Because He is now rock. Yes, right. Despite He, the stone who was rejected, even oh, ooh, or the stone who rejected the stone who rejected, but then. Yeah, it's, uh, that might be it's, yeah, pushing I mean, it too much. No, but, but, but I mean, it's this interesting. thing, everything that's found in Christ, I mean, that's that's the whole purpose of the book of Acts, yeah, yeah. Is, is to show the the double exp- uh, pouring out of the Spirit upon the church. That's it, yeah. And cool. uh, which leads us into Revelation. <sighs> yeah, Revelation. I mean, um, dude, can I just comment about something for a second? Ta- talk it. Um, Talk it out. I found myself on the island called Patmos because I was a martyr for Jesus, and I was caught up in the spirit on the Lord's day. So I'm saying mass. Yeah, on, on we Sunday. should point out that being caught up in the spirit is an ancient idiom for going to mass or saying the mass. Yeah. So use that if you guys are listening. You're like, <laughs> hey, where are you guys? Uh, what are you guys up to today? Oh, we're gonna get caught up in the spirit. I'm gonna be up in the spirit on the Lord's day. Why? What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. That's so, a good one. Uh, and then he heard behind me a voice as loud as a trumpet, which said, <laughs> Right on a scroll, what you see? <laughs> like, the, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, like, if if you're like, hey, you're in mass, dude, I know that person. I know that guy in mass. And they, it's like so hard to deal with that person. Who's, Somebody's listening who's going to be lecturing on Sunday. <laughs> 
and this is gonna be hard, <laughs> dude. You you know who it's gonna be? Oh no, who is the who is the, the quietest lector? That's in that that proclaims the word, and that's all I what you want. On yeah, Sunday. I, I just want you to imagine that person who's a like a voice as loud as the trumpet said, <laughs> <laughs> "Right on, let's go! What you say?" Everybody's like, "Oh no!" Like you just like don't. <laughs> what would you do? I mean, you can't fire a person for lectoring. I, I, no, no, be... it it would wake everybody up, and then and then that I love it because John's like, and then yeah, and then he says. And then uh, I, mean, I mean, it's appropriate though liturgically because John is in mass, right? So what the Bible is telling, what the second reading is saying, is that it's okay to yell in mass. <laughs> and never That's say what I'm that taking again. From no, this. <laughs> this is, the, the, there I is hope a, my kids are not listening. There is some sort of logical fallacy which I cannot actually an undistributed middle term or something. If you're know. Jesus. Okay. Then it's okay to yell in mass. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's the clarifying. But I'll tell you, I've had those people who say the Our Father behind you in mass, and you're like, they're <laughs> six times as loud as everybody else and faster. It's like the older people who who like say it the speedy the speed the speed rosaries. Okay, yeah. yeah, but I love it. So John, he says to which I uh, turned around <laughs> oh, <laughs> to see uh, whose voice that it was uh, oh, just gosh. said this to me. And then I found seven gold lampstands in the midst of the lampstands, and then one like son of man. Lampstands, by the way, is idiomatic in the Book of Revelation for churches. So the lampstands represent the individual churches that he's going to write the letters to, that he's going to write this letter to right. as bishop of this region. So you asked earlier, it's a boring answer. You asked, <laughs> bless you, you asked earlier what verse 11b was. It's just the listing of all the churches that he's going to write the letter to. Oh, okay. It's not as exciting. Huh? And then uh, he has an ankle length robe and a gold sash around his chest. It is a funny thing, and I don't say this disparagingly. If you don't have a Catholic view toward liturgy and understand that John is actually saying mass, I don't know how you can really begin to wrap your mind around the book of Revelation, sort of from a Protestant mindset, because everything in the book is so utterly liturgical. There are vestments, there's incense, there are altars, there's all of the things that by necessity are the trappings of liturgical celebration, Right. that if you don't have a concept of the liturgy... I don't know how you can make any sense of, of the book of Revelation. Yeah, because Jesus is dressed like a deacon here. <laughs> he's not. No, he's not. <laughs> yes, he is. He has a ankle-length robe with a gold sash around his chest. Oh, the sash. I didn't catch the sash. <laughs> huh. I mean, I, I don't know. He's just dressed like a, a, a modern-day deacon. I know, priest. but priest, deacons oh, participate in the priesthood. Yeah, I, I know that. I don't oh, know what it means. I'm just saying what I see, bro. Pr- <laughs> That's what John's doing. Dude, don't bro me unless me know me. I don't know what that means. I don't even know. So either. he caught sight of him. He fell down on his feet as though dead. He didn't Which, fall down dead at the shouting that <laughs> Jesus is yelling at me. He looks at him. But dude, I just want you to imagine if you've seen somebody faint... <laughs> Because he says, I fall down as dead. As I didn't, dead, he didn't yeah. kowtow. No. No, he, no, no. He's he like, bonked. Oh. <laughs> he bonked. Like, like arms yeah, to his side. Totally. Like, like fat lip. Because he does <laughs> fat lip. Knees buckled. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I had, we had two, we had two servers pass out um, in one week's time, man. In the Easter vigil, right? One of the Easter vigil. Right as I was, as, as the gospel was finishing, <laughs> well, he like a box. And I at was, least he made it through all the first readings. Yeah, yeah. That's the important part, right? Yep. It's a long, you give the longest Easter vigil I think that you've done yet, right? 320, man. Well, boom. Uh, and we had, we had 440 Packed people. House. 440. I've never seen any. Believe me, I know. 21 people came to the church. I was there with three children in the back without seats. In the confessional. Believe me, I know. Yeah, I set up shop in the confessional. <laughs> Which, <laughs> dude, I have to say, 
thing, man. That was that was a, that was a baller move. I felt pretty proud of myself. I'm like, you know what? And I saw people saw me going in there, and you could tell they were like, oh man. Man, he <laughs> just got a go private room for the Easter <laughs> yeah. Vigil. In my, I set up a crib in there. I mean, we just we just moved in. No, dude, the this is it's the Easter Vigil, man. Guess what? Are you gonna what? Do? When it comes down to it, it's the church. Just like, yeah. dude, if there's space, cram it in. <laughs> I crammed in a, a travel crib. So anyway. he fell down like he was dead. And Jesus touched me with his right hand. The right hand is always the symbol of his authority, right? Oh. So he touched me with authority, and he said, do not be afraid. Do not it's, be afraid. I am with <laughs> I you. go before you always. But it's the, it's, the, it's the equivalent, in a certain sense, of the shadow of Peter touching these sick people. The, the shadow of Peter represents the right hand of God. The authority of God, the healing hand saying, do not be afraid or be healed or whatever the thing is, right? It's sort of like that. John is being healed of his fainting, of his fear, of his being overwhelmed of by being this. dead. Of his being dead, as though dead, like dead, kind of dead. Which is right? like... So <laughs> He's only mostly dead. Well, and that's what Jesus. Blade. It's funny because that's what Jesus goes on to say. He says, "I'm the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who lives." Once I was dead. Hey, you feel dead? I was dead. I mean, you can almost imagine hey, the weird conversation. You were like dead. Hey. hey, hey, man! I saw you just bonk like they were like dead. You looked like, like you were that, dead. That, that, that's that's a funny. It reminds me of a funny story. <laughs> I <laughs> was dead once. Yeah. This one time. But I'm alive forever. I hold the keys to death in the netherworld. Write down, therefore, what you have seen and what is happening and what will happen ap- afterward. I just want to ask you, as a priest who says mass every day, pretty much, I guess. No, yeah, every day. Yeah. Would it be hard to be saying the mass and simultaneously writing a book at the same time? Because <laughs> that's what John is tasked with doing here. That just seems challenging to me. Hey, while you're saying the mass, write this down, too, and create a book. Well, I mean, he is. I mean, he's just writing he, his obs- He's observing as he's saying mass. Well, I'm I, making a joke, but but you know, it's it's an interesting kind of. What I, I you're trying to make a joke that's not very funny. But... Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> you're the best. Hey, come on, I was just trying to get us to laugh together. No, that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and, the effect it had. Yeah, that was awesome. That hurt, hurt a little bit. A lot. But but he, I mean, he is in prison, and he doesn't have anything else to do on Sunday except for say mass. It's probably a pretty He's long like, mass. Yeah, I mean, like I'll tell you what. When I'm in mass, sometimes I like to say the mass just on my knees. Yeah, if you're alone. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, just like yeah. I mean, you have like, the freedom like, to. Sometimes I preach to myself. Do you? Uh huh. I'm, I'm trying to think of a joke, and I. I the, the hard part is when I start heckling. <laughs> Do you ask yourself rhetorical questions? <laughs> That's the that, that actually is when a tautology because a rhetorical question oh, yeah, is one that asks oneself. Oh wow, well done. Uh, yeah. So um oh. I don't really know what to say other than I don't like, entirely either. Oh, I've been oh, waiting for you to say something. No, you know what it is? What? The temple is no longer decentralized. He is the mass is the temple, right? He is in a new te- so so the, so the fact seven that he churches, can be, yeah. Well, even the seven churches, yes, but even the fact that he can be imprisoned on an island in exile and still be in the holy of holies, right? I mean, what, what the reason I think he falls down as though dead is this realization that I'm in the holy of the holy of holies has come to me, right? Which because which, it's overshadowed by the presence of the one who. Which Gabe, reminds you of the lecturing. Okay, the lecturing, yeah. Um, Deacon Jesus. But it <laughs> reminds you of of the vision from Ezekiel 
that actually shows Cut Ezekiel. up into the throne room. No, well, no, that's Isaiah. Ezekiel is the vision where Jerusalem is about to be destroyed by the Babylonians. Everybody's freaking out. They're like, well, what about the temple? What about the presence of God? And Ezekiel sees this vision of God's presence literally on burning chariot wheels. God's saying, look, I'm mobile. I can go wherever I want to, and my presence can go with you to exile. It can go to wherever I want it to go. And so that presence of God evoked this concept, evoked way back in Ezekiel, is now coming to be present with John as he's imprisoned on this island. The Holy of Holies has come to me, and I was so thrown off. I, was, I fell down as though dead, because who am I to be in the very throne room of God? So it's not like Isaiah, like you mentioned. Isaiah's caught up to God. John has God caught down to him, mm. which is the, the paradigm of the new covenant, that God now comes down. It's not that we simply go up or look forward to going up. God comes to us, which is so unprecedented and, and unexpected in the schema of salvation history that you can almost see why John falls down as though dead. And he gets it. I mean, the Eucharist has been established. He's saying mass. But we're still in the period where the church is still figuring out what does all this mean? You know, it's interesting. As I just was thinking about it. Um, I was reading a In Sinu Yezu, uh, which, is a, which is a priesthood prayer and ha- has a very deep prayer with Jesus and is asked to write down on a scroll what he sees. That sounds what he familiar. Hears. Yeah, we, we hear... I mean, think about the mystical tradition within the church of mm. all of these locutionists, visionaries who are mm. asked to write down what they see. Right. That this is this didn't end. This is not like right. like we have a special scriptural version of this mm. that helps us make under have understanding. Mm. But, but but it's a genre. It's a genre uh, that that's, uh, that is actually meant to continue within the church. Yes. Like yeah, which God. is kind of a little. It's like a lot to think about. Sometimes it's cool, uh, like sometimes I'm like. It's like a little close for comfort when I think about this kind of stuff. Like, mm. I kind of like, part of me wants Jesus to be like, write down what you say. <laughs> like, but yeah. but it also, I think I would fall down dead too. Just going like, really? It's the right response. You're like, dim bones, dim bones, dim dry bones. As soon as you say Ezekiel, that's what Oh, I'm okay. Saying. I was yeah. like, where are you going with that? So, so John. First day of the week. Speaking of John. Yeah, this is earlier. This and, is John now going back. Uh, John's gospel is believed to have been written after Revelation. So. So, but it's the so, same guy kind of recounting. So it, right, it's but, important but he, that we... But he understands. Like, yes. like in a certain sense, like I was talking to Father Ben Dallas last night about mm. the, the nature of narrative and how important it is to like to grasp in a narrative structure the events of God that have taken place in our lives. Yes. And usually it only comes from a deep encounter with Christ. Yeah. So in And a it certain, usually only comes in hindsight. Right. Well it always comes in hindsight. Because you, 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 you actually have to process because it's yeah. it's like what we do. It's like we find context. Yes. Like like our whole job is to discover the context of these readings within themselves, mm-hmm. within the whole of scripture, and then within each other, within the liturgy, within our lives, and within the eight, the eighties pop references that we can possibly come up That's with. a lot of withins. No, there's a lot, a lot of contexts that yeah. we're trying to actually do. And so John- That's a good insight into the whole book of Revelation, which is layers upon layers of this narrative. Right. Peeling back an onion. Right, because kind of it's 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 liturgical context, yes. it's scriptural context, it's personal context. But then we go into the Gospel of John, and now we're, we're seeing, oh, even the Gospel of John is written in within the context of the Lord actually revealing the full narrative to him. Yes, absolutely. 
And he has a new insight. Having already witnessed and experienced this event, now he can go back and reflect on the events that happened in the gospel and say, oh, now I see it from a new perspective because right. I've been given the new perspective. So on the evening of the first day of the week, on Easter Sunday evening, and remember technically, well, I guess by the time we're reading this, we're, on the, we're just out of the octave, right? So as of now, we're still in the Easter octave. So we no, the, divine mercy is in is the still in the octave. Yeah, okay, yeah, so we're still the which is so we're still on Easter Sunday next right. Sunday, right? Which so, is kind of crazy. Which to is think still about. the first day of the week. It's still the first. Well, we have one week that is one day. We have one week that is one. We have eight days that is one day. Yeah, yeah. Because it's not. It's not. It's a little more than a full week. Yeah, which is cool. Okay, so on that day, and eight when days. we're reading it, it still is. Which, by the way, um, bees that create wax have eight glands. In their in their body to create the wax that we use for the Paschal candles. You're gonna need to say that again. That came out of nowhere. <laughs> okay. One more time. Okay. Bees have eight glands. Yeah, we were talking about eight, the eighth day, the octave of Easter, uh-huh. and and bees have eight <coughs> eight glands that produce wax. Okay. So the wax that we use for the Paschal candle is created by the work of bees, which is a sign and a symbol of the eighth day, eighth day, the fullness of all of everything being consummated in the Lord. I know that that's ridiculously profound, but I don't think I have a category in my head at the moment to put that in. There's so, not a, there's not a drawer mentally. Eight days, eight plans. No, no, I that's get all it. I'm saying. I'm just I, don't, I need to sit with that a little bit more. And, yeah, and the bees I, the bees are now in it. Well, because I was trying to figure out like well, because I said that at the Easter vigil and I, I like and you I did? did it. Yeah, yeah. It I just was just as, as <laughs> <laughs> rightly so. <laughs> and uh, oh. yeah, just trying to. I don't know what it means, but I just like. No, no. It. It's that's why it's that profound. Merit, that merits some reflection. Is the, what I'm getting at. Okay. All right. Thank so there you. we are on the first day of the week, on the eighth day of the week, first day of the week. When the doors were locked, the disciples were, because they were afraid of the Jews, the people who were kind of coming up against them. Who just killed the, Jesus, their leader. By the way, I mean, it's important to note, John is not anti-Semitic or anything like that. John is a Jew. All of the people in that room locked in there are also Jews. But for John, that terminology becomes used to show the opposition. It's not an ethnic term, though, really, for him, because he is one. Right. But it, it represents sort of the the antagonizing of those who rejected Jesus. Right. So Jesus came, and he stood in their midst, and he said, Peace be with you. And they said, And with your spirit. Because they anticipated the changing of the... Shut up, <laughs> shut up Scott. Shut uh, up, Scott. When he had said this, he showed them his hands in his side. The disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Um, do you... Th- it doesn't... I just have... Oh, I have all these questions. There's so many things we could say. Do you think that they know who he is before he shows them his hands in his side? It doesn't tell you in here. But we know we have this weird insight with Thomas, who's like, well, I'm not going to believe it until I see the hands on the side. We also know that there's certain disciples, the road to Emmaus, for example, who actually don't recognize him. That he's frequently not able to be recognized. So I wonder, Just this is just a reflection, I don't know the answer. What are the disciples thinking when they see him appear in that room? They're like, how did you get in? Like, is is this some guy? Get, you know, do they recognize him or do they not? And is Jesus showing his hands in his side, his sort of proof that he is who he is? Yeah, this is this know. this is what I'm thinking. Is whenever I see the midst of them, he stood in their midst. That there was some sort of like movement and and there was a lot of people. I don't I don't think that we're, there's uh, 120. Yeah, so there's a lot of people in According there. According to Acts of the Apostles. Right, so I think he's just milling and everybody's kind of like oh, looking. Oh, interesting. Do you think he's like pulling people aside and like, hey, check this out. Look at my hand. 
he, he says, but he then did. he says, he's, peace be with you. Yeah, good point. To them. And he's, when he had said this, he ah. showed them his hands and his side. So I think he raised his voice. I think that I think that they were like There's a lot of voice raising. Right. I think that they voice. were actually furious. I it's think loud I, Sunday. I think that they were I think they were struggling and I think that there was a lot of confusion and struggle. Imagine that oh. that you that the temple and all this stuff and is he taken, is he not taken? People are running they're back and forth. Out. People are wigging. Yeah, yeah. They're freaking So out. so I think Jesus okay. is like, Peace be with you. Be quiet. Shalom. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Which is a, a Jewish way of saying be quiet. Right. And so they're look and they all look at him and he holds up his hands. Yeah. And they're like, What? Well, no, wait a second. I, I'm not convinced I said it was 120, which we know on Pentecost there's 120, but that's fifty days later. I get the impression it's just the apostles here. And the reason I get that impression now now I could be wrong. There could be more. But after he says that, he breathes the Holy Spirit on them and says, receive the Holy Spirit who sins you forgive or forgiven them, who sins you retain or retained. That is something he exclusively gives to the apostles. Mm. That is an apostolic charge, which maybe there are other people in the room, but who he's addressing and who he's giving this gift of the Holy Spirit to is exclusively the apostles, right? Right. So that, that it, later on, there's going to be more folks, but I do wonder if it's just them. Now, 12 is still a decent amount of people. I mean, there's still a cocktail party, right? I mean, he still could be kind of milling among the 12. But I think I it'd be more solemn, though. Yes, yeah. but no, I don't know. I mean, you can picture the 12 kind of yelling at each other, having a fight. Like, what do you, What should we do about this? We should, you know, I don't know. You know, I mean, you can still imagine 12 people who are confused, who are frustrated, who are tired, all of these things, these emotions going on. Like, what do you think we should do? We, we need to hide out. We need to wait. We need to listen to the women. No, the women don't know what they're talking about. But Peter saw this and... You know, you can imagine a little bit of chaos, even in the, maybe then, even more chaos because there's fewer of them. Mm. So they're all talking over. We know the apostles are kind of a, well, a junk show. They're always talking over each other. Well, they're always vying for power. Well, this is the thing is that we know on the disciples on the road to Emmaus, that very day of the week, you have Mary, who's not an apostle, and her, her, her husband, Cleopas. Cleopas, yeah. Who come back. To presumably the apostles, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, True. True. I wonder if when so he disappeared with the disciples on the road to Emmaus, he disappeared, and then he goes, appeared. And he goes there? Yeah, and he goes here. <laughs> That's kind of a fun <laughs> while, thought. While they're running back, he just celebrates the Eucharist. Hey, guys. He I'm celebrates here. the Eucharist and then says, peace be with you. Oh, interesting. And, be, and the, I don't know. These are these are really fun to think about. It is about. kind of fun to kind of reflect on how real this was. Because I think sometimes we forget, we've heard this story so many times, how real and how difficult this moment was. Yeah. Because nobody knows what's going on. And some people gave testimony, but do we believe them? And, well, she's a prostitute. Like, I mean, you can imagine all of these weird emotions kind of coming out. And where's T. Diddy? T. He's not Diddy. there. Where do you think he was? Dude, I... Is he hiding out someplace? Has he not shown back up to the group? I mean, we know that a lot of the apostles took off. Right. They ran after the crucifixion. Maybe he hasn't shown back up yet. Maybe he's been hiding for a couple of days. I don't know. What says, so the other disciples said to him, we've seen the Lord. Not the, it doesn't say apostles, apostolos. It does say disciples. Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, I'm totally open, except for the fact that it says. Receive the Holy Spirit. But he could have done a select group of people. No, he could have, for sure. That's completely a possibility. And I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know. But what I do like is I like the idea that he raised his voice and it turned all their heads. He raised his voice and turned their head. Yeah, that's and that's the, it. And then yeah. they were struck. And then he then he said again. Yeah, he said to him again, "Peace be with you." So he said it once. Yeah, shows the hands inside, the and they're like, "What?" And then he's yeah. like, "Peace be with you, yeah. as the Father has sent me, 
so I send you. So there, there's something really like, yeah. again, it's call, the calling. It's, it's like what we see in the Acts of the Apostles. It starts with the apostles, moves out into the streets and goes yes. to the end of the world. It's almost like we're getting the plan sent. sent like like what's yeah. the, the first scene of a movie is telling you where it's going to go. And right. the, here's this. This is the first seeing of Jesus. This is where we're going to go. I mean, other than in the garden, do not cling to me yet. I have not yet ascended my father. Yeah. And, um, and then I, a week later, he's back. Yep. Which puts us on Divine Mercy Sunday. It's funny if you oh. actually think about the fact that Thomas didn't think about that. Thomas has his experience with Jesus on Divine Mercy Sunday uh. because Jesus doesn't get angry. I mean, we give Tom T. Diddy such a hard time because he doesn't believe, he's skeptical, he doubts. Jesus doesn't treat his doubt with contempt. He's not like, oh, what a fool. You know, you should have believed. I mean, he just says, look, here, here, check it out. Look for yourself. He gives him the great profound mercy of saying, enter in. And what is he entering into? He's entering into the space that's not there. And I'm not going to try. I'm trying not to take this too far in a weird direction, but he puts his hands in the holes, the absence, what was taken from Jesus, which reminds me of shadows, which takes me back to Peter's shadow that actually overshadows and actually brings healing. The holes, the shadows that are left in Jesus's hands that are the scarred, wounded remains of the crucifixion are what bring healing to Thomas. It's really fundamentally not a story about Thomas's doubting. It's a story about Thomas's healing Mm. because Thomas is able to put his hands into the shadows of Jesus's own hands and putting his fingers into the shadow of Jesus's wound brings healing to Thomas and his eyes are then opened because the Holy Spirit then overshadows him through that, which I never thought about until literally just this minute. Maybe I stretched it too far, but I wonder if there's some something there. Maybe it's overly poetic. Mm, that's that's good. No, it's no. I I love it. It makes me want to quote the radio program, "The Shadow Knows." <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's that that's right on, Scott. I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of I'm lit up on this. It's kind of cool. Uh, I mean, and I just thought I just saw that because it's it's not because the sh- even the shadows are filled with so much light. Exactly right. The shadows are no longer dark because God overshadows the shadows, and darkness cannot remain because even the shadow has power <laughs> to drive out the darkness. Right, which is now getting overly poetic and paradoxical. No, it's not. But it's not getting well, just overly. Just because you're an artist, you, you like <laughs> artiste. <laughs> but there is some real beauty in this. And again, I like the idea of framing this not as the story of Thomas's doubting, but the story of Thomas's healing. Yeah, because that is Psalm 118. That is the mercy that endures forever. There's never going to be too late for Thomas, right? It's never going to be like, well, you weren't here, man. You missed your shot. No, God's going to give him another chance because God gives us chances. Until we die, he's going to keep giving us the opportunity to stick our hands in and be healed. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I don't know. That's all I got to say. And that, my friends, is a beautiful note. Gosh. Garsh. Garsh. It's just such a blessing. to. I can't believe that you guys are with us. It's really such a gift. So God bless you. Happy Easter. Divine Mercy Sunday. Pray for the sinner who needs... Absolutely. We'll see you next time. Or we'll hear you. You'll hear us. Okay, goodbye. All right.